Day 26, this is part 2 of the historical manifestation of God. Amen. Again, uh, why don't we just lift our hands and ask God to help us, you know, to tune in. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. We ask God that you will help us, Lord, tune in. And God, there are great, exciting things that you want to do. Again, Lord, I pray, help us, Lord. Lead us, God, into that greater intimacy with you so that your intimacy may be manifested in our daily lives. In Jesus' name, we pray. Again, you know, someone asked me, what am I trying to achieve here? You know, uh, when I share examples of all this past manifestation of God's glory. Well, first of all, I, I, I want to paint a picture that, you know, this manifestation of God, first of all, is never manufactured by man. Okay. So many times churches will put a lot of emphasis upon uh, uh, entertainment, showmanship. You know, that's, this is not what's really about. This is about hungry people who desire God, who put away everything, any carnality and just come into the presence of God and God respond to our hunger. Amen. So to Today, we're going to talk about holiness movement. It is different from the holiness revival led by John and Charles Wesley. Today, we're going to talk about the holiness movement in the 19th century in USA. It is, it, you know, this revival is led by various leaders across multiple denominations. In the fabric of American religious history, the 19th century was woven with revivals and spiritual awakenings. Among this is the holiness movement. Amen. And the holiness movement stands out as a distinct wave of religious fervor aimed at deepening personal sanctification and emphasizing a life of holiness. Originating in the mid-19th century, the holiness movement was an offshoot of Methodism. While John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, taught about the doctrine of entire sanctification or Christian perfection, which is a state where a Christian might live free from voluntary sin. The holiness movement took this teaching and brought them to the forefront of the American Protestant churches. The movement stressed a second work of grace or a second blessing, following conversions which would bring believers into a state of holiness. This experience was often described as being filled with the Holy Spirit or entirely sanctified. The followers of the movement sought a deeper personal relationship with God and aimed to live lives marked by purity, commitment and righteousness. Here are some eyewitnesses. Accounts of this period paint a very vivid picture of powerful conviction. One observer in an 1877 camp meeting noted, as the preacher called sinners to the altar, there was an evidence of intense tension in the air. Many wept openly while others seemed absorbed into silent contemplation. Then there were physical manifestations. A participant from a revival in Ohio wrote, the power of the Holy Spirit was so strong that some fell to the ground, overcome with emotions. Others spoke in tongues or prophesied. It was both awe-inspiring and terrifying. And many testimonies 
testimonies of uh, transformation. A young woman testified, before the revival, I was lukewarm in my faith, but now I feel a fire within me. I've been sanctified and filled with a new found purpose to live a holy life. And in regards of the hymns and the songs, music played a crucial role. An eyewitness from a camp meeting in Indiana shed, singing was unlike anything I've heard. It was as if heaven itself has descended upon us. Hymns of holiness and purity echoed through the camp, lifting our spirits. The holiness movement led to the formation of several denominations like the Church of Nazarene, the Church and Missionary Alliance, and the Church of God, among others. While it faced criticism from some quarters of its emotionalism and doctrinal stance, its influence persisted into the 20th century, laying the foundations for the Pentecostal and Charismatic movement. In conclusion, the holiness movement of the 19th century was a significant chapter in American religious history. The testimonies and the accounts of the period showcase the deep spiritual hunger of the people and their pursuit of a closer walk with God. This movement emphasized on personal devotion, consecration and a life of holiness paved the way for Pentecostal movement exploration of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they began again emphasizing a definite experience of God, holiness of life and experience that will cleanse you, change you, give you powers, seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And one of those ministers that was greatly impacted by this holiness movement was called Charles Parham. Let's talk about Topeka's Kansas. The winds of spiritual revival that blew through the city of Topeka in the early 20th century still resonate today. At the heart of this revival was an individual named Charles Fox Parham, an evangelist and teacher whose teaching and ministry would lay the foundation of the modern Pentecostal movement. In the 1900s, Parham opened a Bethel Bible College in Topeka, Kansas, where he and his students embarked on an in-depth study of the Acts of the Apostle. They sought to understand the baptism in the Holy Spirit evidenced by speaking in tongues experienced by the early Christian church. This is the question they posed to the students. How will we know when we have the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost? And they came to the conclusion as they study in the book of Acts that when you receive the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, you will speak in tongues and they begin seeking that experience on January the 1st, 1901, which would be the first day of the new century. The first student, Agnes Osman, received the Holy Spirit and began speaking in tongues. She asked for the hands to be laid on her. And that night she began to speak in tongues, becoming one of the first modern witnesses to the spiritual phenomenon. This momentous event became 
known as the topika outpouring. I think it's interesting. Parham himself was not the first, but in a few days of the course, he also and many others received the Holy Spirit. This momentous event is known as Topeka Outpouring. According to the witnesses, the atmosphere at Battle Bible College was thick with expectations. Students and attendees described an overwhelming sense of unity and hunger for a deeper understanding of God's Word. Sarah Thompson, one of the attendees, mentioned, every meeting was soaked in prayer. We all felt that God was about to do something extraordinary. The days that followed saw an increasing number of students and attendees having similar experiences, not just speaking in tongues, but some also reported visions, prophecies, and even healings. Esther Williams, a local resident who attended the meeting said, I came out of curiosity, but I left transformed. The presence of God was undeniable. While the immediate community in Topeka was filled with testimonies and transformed lives, the teaching and experiences from this meeting spread rapidly beyond the borders of Kansas. Charles Paham took the message on the road and the teachings became a cornerstone of the emerging Pentecostal movement. Charles Fox Paham is often referred to as the father of Pentecostalism because of his significant influence in the early days of the Pentecostal movement. Many people would say, well, he wasn't really the founder. And I would agree that he is not the founder. God is the founder. However, he played a key role doctrinally. Witnesses and participants at Battle Bible College recounted these events with a sense of awe and divine intervention. They believed that the Holy Spirit was being poured out in a manner similar to the early Christian church as described in the books of Acts. The speaking in tongues was seen as a clear sign of this baptism of the Holy Spirit. William Seymour was introduced to this teaching not directly in Topeka, but in Houston, Texas, where he attended a Bible school led by Parham. While Simon himself did not initially speak in tongues, he exhorted Paham's teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and its evidence in speaking in tongues. He then carried this teaching to Los Angeles. And here's where he led the Azusa Street Revival. Let me share with you a little bit more of William Simoy. William Simoy an African-American preacher is a crucial figure linking the events in Topeka with later Azusa Street revival in Los Angeles, which play a monumental role in the global spread of Pentecostalism. In 1906, under Seymour's leadership, the Azusa Street revival began. It was here that Simon himself experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. The revival meetings were held in a humble wooden structure, once an old Methodist church and mostly recently a stable and a storage. 
it attracted people from various racial and social economic backgrounds. Witnesses recounted miraculous healings, prophecies, and most notably the ph phenomenon of speaking in tongues. The revival was both praised for its genuine spiritual experiences and like in all revival, you will always face some criticism for its emotionalism and perceived disorder. Sounds like us in the 21st century. <laughs> Amen. The impact of Topeka events on Simoy was indirectly but significant. Parham's teaching influenced Simoy's belief, which he then carried to Los Angeles. The Azusa Street revival under Simoy's leadership became one of the most influential events in the history of Pentecostalism, spreading the movement, beliefs and practices around the United States and later globally. Simoy preached something that he didn't even receive yet. He had not received the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit himself. So he had studied under Parham's in Houston and accepted the doctrine, but he himself hadn't received the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost yet. He had been kicked out of for preaching something that he hadn't even received. So there he is. And of course, the Holy Spirit fell. And then they got the Holy Spirit on 312 Azusa Street. They begin having services from morning, noon and night. People started coming from all over the country and not only coming, but then going back where they are from. They had the attitude, if Jesus is coming and if this baptism of the Holy Spirit is what makes them ready for the bride of Christ, amen, therefore, I need to go to Africa. I need to go to China. I need to go to Japan to tell people. Within two years, it becomes a worldwide movement. This Azusa Street revival is a very interracial movement from the very beginning. African-Americans, Caucasians, Hispanics, men and women in leadership. And this Azusa Street revival lasted from 1906 to 1909. They had services day and night for three years. So thousands received the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. Most of them were from the holiness movement. The word went out. They started publishing the Apostolic Faith magazine. And so literally from all over the world and all over the US, people would come, hear the message, receive the Holy Spirit, and then in a few days, go back and start churches or spread the word. You put the uh, two stories together, the Topeka's Kansas and uh, uh, the Azusa Street Revival. I think God has a way of letting us know that He is uh, the founder, okay? Uh, because, you know, it is God using uh, Parham to lay down the doctrinal aspect of baptism of the Holy Spirit. But then God also used Simoy uh, for the missional aspect because it is from the Azusa Street that many came and received the 
the the Holy Spirit and and they went back globally to share this good news. So 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 God knows how to put people together, you know, and 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 it's a constant reminder for us. We need each other, you know. Not all of us have all the truth. Not all of us uh, 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 can 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 propagate uh, uh, the mission. We all need each other. So let's go back to the the story of the Azusa sleep. What was the service like? You know, service at Azusa Street missions are unlike any traditional church gathering. They are spontaneous with no schedule, start or end time. The meeting often running from early morning until late at night are marked by fervent praying, singing and testimonies. And at the center of the room stands a makeshift pulpit where various attendees, including Simoy, share inspired messages. There is no choir, but the room is often filled with spontaneous singing and speaking in tongues. Josephine McPherson, a local resident, shares, the moment you enter, you can feel God's presence. There is no distinction here. Black, white, rich, poor, we are all worshipping together. I've never seen anything like it. Robert Daniels, a visitor from Texas, recounts, I came skeptical, but what I witnessed was genuine. People were being healed and the joy in the room was evident. One lady testified about her deaf ears being opened and I watched a man paralyzed for years stand up and walk. Clara Washington, another attendee, speaks about the diverse crowd. It's a melting pot of cultures and backgrounds. People from various denominations, even countries are here, drawn by the stories of God's move. One striking aspect many witnesses highlighted is the racial integration. Henry Thompson, a local businessman notes, in a time where segregation is the norm, Azusa stands out. Everyone seems equal and the unity is a testament to the Spirit's work. Again, however, not all accounts are positive. Some criticize the meetings for their emotionalism and perceived disorder. So again, when you have true revival, not everybody will accept it. Amen. Wow, I, I, I don't know about you, but after hearing all these three stories, you know, I, I'm really hungry for the move of the Holy Spirit. Again, like what I say, I'm sharing this story to help you understand. I am not against organization. I am not against organized uh, agendas. But at times, we need to be open to the moving of the Spirit. When God moves, let Him move. Amen. It may look chaotic, but God is in control. We will see miracle signs and wonders. And then let's get ready for the moving of God's Spirit. When God moves, let's, 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 not, let's not limit Him and let Him go in our lives. So we just leave our hands one more time. It's a 
exciting to think about what God's going to do. He's going to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we are grateful for all these experiences and all these things that we just heard. Lord, Lord, we thankful for the Azusa Street Revival. Without the Azusa Street Revival, we will not be here. We will not understand, Lord, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I remember a time when I was serving you with my own flesh. I felt like it was dull, dead, and, and, and it's full of religious works. But today, I can gladly say, I am a partaker of the Holy Spirit. Your Spirit is real. Your Spirit empowers me. Your Spirit is, Lord, able to empower me to do work for you. When I'm sick at the platform, Lord, when I step out in faith, you heal me. You touch me. Amen. I understand what it means to be empowered by the Spirit. Amen. That no longer, God, I am an orphan. I have your Spirit living and residing in me. And I know, and I know, and I know that you are with me, that you will never leave me nor forsake me. I'm grateful for this experience. And God, I pray, Lord, may we never leave this. May we never let this go. Lord, let our next generation be filled with the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that our young people, God, will be drunk in the Holy Spirit. I see you with eyes of faith, God. Young people letting themselves go. Young people, God, will, will worship you, Lord, without reservation. That they will give their heart over to you, Father. That you will begin to touch them. That you will begin to move them. That you will begin to ignite a flame that cannot be quenched. So, God, I pray, grant us revival. Revive our hearts, Lord. Remind us about the outpouring. And Lord, that you are still pouring out your Spirit. Let us not limit you in our services, God. Let us not be uncomfortable when you take over because everybody has a different way of expression. But at the same time, God, help us make sense, God, to those that who doesn't know it yet, Lord. In the name of Jesus, may you be glorified in all our service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.